Welcome to the Meta Business Podcast. The Metaverse and Web3 are bringing about the biggest revolution since the internet itself. With your hosts, Paul the Prophet Dawalibi and Jeff the Juice Cohen, we will be bringing you the latest Metaverse business news and insight into what it all means. The Meta Business Podcast starts now. From the boardroom to the Metaverse, this is the Meta Business Podcast. I am Paul the Prophet Dawalibi. I'm joined today by my friend and co-host, Jeff the Juice Cohen. For those of you who are new to the Meta Business Podcast, welcome. What we do here is we cover all the major metaverse stories, industry news, topics every single week, but we look at all of them through a business and C-suite lens. We dissect, we analyze the business implications of everything happening in the metaverse and Web3. Uh, for our new listeners, welcome. Thank you guys if you're new here. If you've been a regular listener of the first four episodes, um, also thank you so much. If you haven't already, go leave a review. Uh, tell us how much you love the podcast. It really helps other people to find, especially a new podcast like this one. Uh, we really appreciate those reviews and spreading you know, the podcast to your friends, to your colleagues, whoever. Jeff, how's it going? How are you doing this week? I'm doing great. We just uh, we just recorded the live stream. Normally, for you listeners, we record this prior to our live stream, which we do every Wednesday night. Which, as a plug, you should check that out. It's it's pretty interesting. We also put it up on a, as a vod. Um, but I feel like my juices are flowing. Like I, I feel in the flow. Right. Normally, we we start this cold, and I, you know, I always feel like I'm I'm kind of come a reliever coming out of the bullpen. Whereas right now, I'm I'm like a starting pitcher in the third inning. Like I'm just you know, through the order one time, I'm ready to go. My takes are hot. The juice is, the juice is going to be flowing. Uh, so this is going to so, be yeah. a, per, what is it? The baseball term, a perfect, are you going to pitch a perfect game here? Is that, is that, I uh... think so. I, I feel like, I feel like this is going to be the best episode yet. I am very excited. I would note you, you're still Paul, the prophet, Delibia. I think you're I supposed to be Paul, I the am. master of the metaverse. No, no. Everyone knows me as the prophet, Jeff. <laughs> and, 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 as the prophet, you know, I see the future. I just, this is what I do, whether it's for gaming and esports on the business of esports or whether, whether it's for the metaverse, which gaming is a huge part of it, right? So um, definitely sticking with the prophet. Everyone knows me as the prophet. And so that's, uh, that's what we're going with here. Now, um, I want to jump into some news though, because since you're warm, since it's the third inning, um, I want these, I want these hot takes, right? I want the juice hot takes here. And, and the first story, it's a series of stories, right? There's kind of a theme to all these stories, okay? And I'm going to read the first one, and then I'm going to present to you sort of the big questions I have, and then I'm going to show you a few others, okay? So the, the first story here is um, the headline maybe is not completely telling of where I'm going with this, but the headline is Jam City Unveils Blockchain Division and First NFT Game Champions Accession. Okay, so this is Jam City. They make mobile games. They're taking the plunge, according to this article, into NFT games, and they're launching a new blockchain division and their first NFT game called Champions Accession. Now, the article also mentions that other companies like Ubisoft, which we talked about, Zynga, uh, GSC Game World, all of these companies have made sort of moves into Web3 into blockchain-based gaming, okay? And and so park that for a second because I think this is interesting in and of itself. But I'm gonna show you three or four other articles that are mentioned or alluded to in this one. And the big question I have for you, Jeff, and, and for everyone listening is, 
there seems to be a theme, right, with game developers is they seem to have two major choices when they're looking at blockchain-based gaming, right? Do they, if they want to introduce NFTs as part of their product mix, they seem to have a choice to partner with an existing company in the space or roll their own. And, and the second sort of choice they seem to have is, do they embed NFTs and blockchains into existing games? The same way Ubisoft, like we talked about last week, Ubisoft did with uh, Ghost Recon. Um, or do they, uh, do they create entirely new games and new divisions to make blockchain-based games specifically, right? So embed in current games or roll out new games focused on that entirely. So that those seem to be the two sort of choices all these companies have. And, and so I just want to show these other stories that are alluded to, right? One here is NFT gaming platform legacy by Peter Molinux earns over 54 million, right? So he's creating his own sort of virtual world, or it's like a London, basically recreation, London metaverse, uh, where he's selling land. There's Zynga partnering with Forte for blockchain games. And there's this third piece of news that Stalker 2 canceled their NFT plans because they said they were going to introduce NFTs into the game they were already developing um, following a bunch of backlash. And then, and then finally, there was the article we talked about last week where Ubisoft now says they understand where the NFT hate comes from. Kotaku, who made this headline, wrote, does not understand shit. So... Um, there's a, the whole spectrum here, right, of, of what I just talked about, which is game developers either creating new games to incorporate blockchain and NFT into, or they're using their existing games, in which case we see some backlash. I'm mm -hmm. curious how you think about these forces with all of these stories and, you know, where wh what is the right path for game developers in your mind? This is an interesting one. I mean, and it's one where if you've been listening to all the episodes, you, you, uh, I'll have to give a mea culpa because you'll probably immediately say, well, this isn't, was, this wasn't your take two weeks ago. So I will acknowledge that. I think my initial take was it was smart of a, of a Ubisoft. And my, my answer to this question two, two, three weeks ago would have been putting NFTs into existing games is smarter because you already have a player base and you're adding an additional mechanic. You're giving players more you know, more choices, more optionality. And it's just an easier path to adoption because there's already a player base and there's already a community. And it's just, it, it's just an easier way to go about it. I'm starting to, now that we've seen a lot of the negative backlash, move towards the, the camp of this, this, it, this industry may, it may be a classic kind of innovators dilemma situation where you know, the, what, what you need in order to get adoption is to attack this as sort of a small niche kind of community and, and create a new game and a new audience that kind of is tailored to this and wants this sort of experience. So I do think the Jam City model of creating a completely new IP may actually be, interestingly enough, the, the risk averse strategy and the better strategy. Um, yeah, that, that, that's sort of where the, that, that is how my thesis is changing over the past two weeks with what we've seen, obviously, with Ubisoft and then the Stalker 2, you know, the fact that they've basically had to you know, completely walk back putting NFTs in their games. We've also seen this with Discord. I don't know. This happened about a month ago. I don't even know if we covered it in any of our, any of our um, 
various podcasts, but Discord had kind of alluded to an, an, an um, a blockchain integration, and then they had to sort of walk that back as well. Yeah, that, that seems to be the theme here, right? Like that, if you look at the four stories I talked about or five stories I mentioned here, right? The, the Jam City one is they're creating entirely new games, right? Zynga, not 100% clear from the story, but they're partnering with Forte and it says, according to the article, the aim is to use Zynga's IP for blockchain games. So I think we can safely assume this means creating entirely new games, right? They're not going to put NFTs in Farmville, for example. Um, so you have these, one, these, these two companies creating entirely new games, right? Creating new divisions, mm -hmm. new games, new partnerships, specifically for blockchain-based games. And then sort of on the other hand, you have Stalker 2 uh, and the developer there, which is GSC Game World. They were already making a game, right? This game has been in development for a while. It's a game that people are looking forward to. Then they decided to announce, and, and it was kind of a cringy announcement, I'll, I'll admit. I'll, I'll just, <laughs> it says in this article, the NFT promo material posted yesterday was full of gibberish about becoming the first metahumans in the stalker metaverse, which was going to be achieved by a way of a metaversial bridge. <laughs> which, um, you know, probably someone in marketing wrote who, who had no idea what any of this meant. But the existing games like Ubisoft with Ghost Recon, Stalker 2, um, in the other case, is part of it just the psychology of you have fans of these games, they're expecting one thing and no one likes change, like no one wants to mix it up, uh, whether the game's not done yet or the game's already done. It's just sort of a change in the expectation that people don't like. Or do you truly feel like there's some logical backlash against because to me it doesn't add up right why if we create a new game that's a blockchain based game people play it they get lots of users they make lots of money everything's good but if we try and put nfts in an existing game I, like I, everyone hates it i think the obvious potential obvious answer is that it's a different audience it's different people with different motivations um, and again, I, I would I'd love to dig more into that, but I, I think it is possible that they are just two different audiences, uh, which is kind of why I think that strategy of creating a separate game may make sense. But it is odd. It, it strikes me that like the whole blockchain gaming community almost needs like a uh, like a PR consultant or something like that, where <laughs> I don't know when this happened, where it became so negative, because if you think about it, all blockchain, all, all these games are effectively trying to do is create microtransactions where you have digital ownership and you can, you know, not necessarily play to earn, but play and earn where it's like, hey, you put five, you, you know, you spent $50. Maybe when you go to leave the game in a month, you end up selling them for 20. Like you didn't necessarily make money, but you got something. Whereas normally if you play Candy Crush or, you know, pick a different game, uh, Empires and Puzzles from Zynga, you could spend $500. And if you stop wanting to play the game, well, there you go. You spent your $500. Zynga has that and you, you make, you get zero when you leave the game. Imagine if you could, you know, take that $500 that you put in and either turn it into a thousand dollars. Obviously that's great. Or even if you turn it into $200, like if you've given up on that hobby, it's better to have $200 at the end than $0. So in that respect, it seems like who could, who would argue that having $200 or a thousand dollars at the end is better than having zero dollars like who, who would who would take the other side of that argument 
So it almost seems like there's a perception problem that some of these games have where, or, or that the whole industry has, sorry, where it's like gamers have now viewed this as kind of an affront to them. And, and it's sort of like, they're just so against it. I, I don't know. Where I'd love to get data is, is your, 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 the point you just made before is like drawing that Venn diagram of gamers and blockchain based gamers. Right? The data like has it, to be out there. So it almost to me feels like one of the more important studies that yeah. someone could do in the entire industry. Like it, 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 it's so, it's so fundamentally important of a question that I have to imagine that someone like a Forte or any of these companies d- has done market research of like this, the attitudes and opinions of their current players versus blockchain gamers and what the motivations are and kind of why they're playing the games. Uh, cause it's just so fundamental to what we're trying to, what all these businesses are trying to do. Like from a pure gamer reception standpoint, I think the art, we can conclude from the articles we just saw and the news we just saw is if you try and integrate it into your existing game, this is probably not going to end well, whether it's a psychological thing, whether it's Venn diagrams that don't intersect and it's a totally different audience, like in some ways from a business standpoint the cause is irrelevant right (laughs) there seems to be a clear pattern of don't inject this in existing games because people those gamers are not going to like it if you want to do this go create new games and could i i will i do think that seems to be the, the 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 comment now or the the prevailing narrative now there was a couple quotes that in that jam, I thought that Jam City article was pretty meaty. So there was a couple quotes that I kind of wanted to, to dig a little deeper into. One was sure. when Krista Wolf, uh, and he actually was the former founder of MySpace. So really like was at the beginning of kind of Web 2. It's now interesting that he's moving his new company into Web 3. He talked about sort of the user experience. And he, he, there was a quote where he said, you, you don't, you're not going to have to download all these crazy wallets. And I thought that that sentence was interesting because it does get a little bit to the heart of maybe one of the potential reasons why gamers currently are shying a little bit away from blockchain gaming. And it's just the user experience. The user experience of these blockchain games currently is just so bad. And I know you and I have had some conversations with folks in the blockchain gaming industry, and there's a ton of companies that are out there now that are saying like their mission is to basically create an easier UI kind of onboarding experience, user experience, for blockchain gaming but i do think that's an you know i want i'd love to get your thoughts on that but it's just i think it is an incredibly fundamental part of all of this that right now the user experience with blockchain in general is just not very good it's a great point and i, I do agree but doesn't that also support like what i what i just said before which is the prevailing sort of wisdom seems to be go create new games because then at least maybe you can solve for those user experience issues, right? Whereas sort of trying to trying to squeeze it into an existing game with its existing UI and something players are used to, like you're shoehorning something that maybe doesn't fit and it's a little clunky and the clunkier it is, the less likely people are to adopt it. Like, I don't know what the answer is, but it seems like there's enough going against it. It's the psychology, it's maybe the, the gamer demographics and it's maybe the user experience but it seems to be a lot of cases against trying to integrate into an existing game, right? Uh, fundamentally, then the question becomes, you know, where where do we start getting AAA experiences that are blockchain-based games? Because that's a much bigger hurdle, I think, for a Ubisoft or for an Activision Blizzard or an EA or whoever 
to get over, right? I think it was easy for Ubisoft yep. to say, we have a game, let's put this in here, see how it goes, but to commit resources and people and time and money and all kinds of things to say, we're going to create an entirely new AAA game that's going to be, this will, the blockchain will be the foundation of, that's, well, you know, that's, that's going to be a tough case internally, I think. This actually brings me to the next quote that I sort of highlighted that that I, um, you know, kind of thought was interesting. We've touched on this a little bit in the past, and I so I want to get your opinion. I think I know the answer to your opinion, um, but it also gets a little bit to what we were just talking about with do you partner or do you try to bring it internally? How do you actually resource this? And it, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it says Jam City is betting Web3 games will have deep gameplay and will be built by actual game developers, not crypto enthusiasts. Do you agree with that statement? What's your take on that? I mean, <laughs> I think if we want this to be successful, if period, like not just blockchain-based gaming, if we want the metaverse to be successful, this has to be built by gamers and gaming companies. And I don't know, maybe that's not such a hot take, but like this can't be built by crypto companies. Like that, that because I think it has to be fun first, gaming first, you know, leisure first, whatever it is, there has to be a component that hooks you that is that is fun, um, regardless of, you know, how we're defining this or what we're calling it, whether it's a blockchain based game or it's a metaverse proper. Um, so I'm definitely on the side of the game developers. I, and I agree there. I don't know if you, you do you feel that way or. I mean, I sort of I I actually I think we've, we've made this point in prior episodes that I I definitely a hundred percent agree. Um, the only thing is like with the Zynga Forte, I did see in that article, they talked about Forte's like partnered with 200 plus studios. I, I think right now there's a lot of crypto knowledge and actual like know-how that needs to be brought either brought in internally into game studios or out or outsourced in some way. I do agree. Like the fundamental building of the game needs to be done by game developers, but the nuts and bolts and the pipes you know, if you're someone who doesn't understand crypto or doesn't know how to build those things, like, I, I don't think you can, it's sort of a prerequisite. I mean, this, there's a great segue it's here. It's necessary, to the next, but not sufficient, if you will. I, I want to tie this into the next story because I think they segue perfectly. And, and, and the headline here is also really good. It's gaming's best existential threat of the year, NFTs. And so <laughs> the picture they use is Ubisoft here, which is not too flattering. Uh, but there's nothing, you know, the headline sort of explains this article that basically NFTs are a threat to gaming because fundamentally they're no different than just microtransactions uh, and, you know, you get something useless and uh, people are going to focus on, you know, playing to earn and playing to, you know, make money or, or get an NFT as opposed to playing to play. You know, it says here, I'll, I'll just quote this. It says, when it comes to video games, NFTs are incompatible with decades of game design. They would replace the key verb of play with a new key verb of invest, and that could diminish games as we know them. Do you agree with that one? Well, I actually think that it sort of sums up the narrative and, and the current, I mean, Jeff Grubb wrote that for GameSpeed. I mean, he's a pretty well-respected games journalist, and I think he does a great job summing like that sentence actually sums up pretty well the way I think a lot of core gamers view the blockchain gaming and NFTs. The challenge for the industry is going to be, how do we create games 
that don't fit that narrative and are fun and bring people in. And I, I do think, like I said before, it's going to be in this sort of classic innovators dilemma model where you sort of create, you, you, you build a, a niche and sort of a minimum viable product that kind of takes a small niche of the market and then grows from there. Um, I think that that probably will be how it happens. Um, yeah, I'm curious to hear what you think. No, I, I love the point you made earlier about there's almost like a PR problem, right? And I feel like that's sort of the heart of an article like this existing, which is, and, uh, you know, it's a good article. I don't necessarily disagree with the conclusion. I just think there's more nuance to this than just NFTs are going to destroy gaming, right? I, that I totally disagree with. I, I almost feel like there needs to be two classes of NFTs that we're lumping all NFTs in together. And fundamentally that's causing some of these problems that I think that's causing some of the confusion. It's causing some of the backlash because, you know, an NFT of a, an ape wearing a hat, right? That's, it has, it has no value really, right? Other than some value that people have ascribed to it because it's scarce in some way or whatever, right? Like it has no utility. That's for sure. It's just a collectible. It exists to exist. And if someone thinks it's valuable and will pay for it, great, right? But it serves no purpose and it has no utility. I think that needs to be in a completely separate category from a PR standpoint, marketing standpoint, business standpoint, from a class of NFTs that have utility, right? It gives me something. It's It provides something beyond just whatever the certificate of authenticity is, right? It's not just a collectible. And in gaming, and that's so obvious, right? That's in-game cosmetics or items or whatever it is. Like there's some in-game utility. But I think part of the problem is it's what the utility is is not communicated. And everyone just sort of has this blanket kind of view on NFTs in that first category, right? Like the pure collectible, it's totally useless. And that's what this article misses in my mind. It's there are a class of NFTs that have some utility that may resonate with gamers and may be valuable to gamers. Um, and I don't think it's the threat he says it is, right? Not long-term, if we can communicate that. I, I, I do agree. Uh, I just think, again, it's like this PR issue where it becomes, I think people are viewing this as a speculative, sort of as speculative, speculative assets and kind of investments versus, hey, you know, like you said, I want to I want to get this gun in the game because it has utility or because it's a cool cosmetic, not well, I want to get this gun in the game because I think I can go on OpenSea and sell it for 10x to some, you know, person sitting down the road. Like that I think those two things are are not the same. Like those two motivations are not the same and I think unfortunately a lot of people who are in to, in this sphere and these early adopters are kind of these opportunists that are looking at everything saying Hey, how can I go make money? Why I'm buying this? Cause I think it's going to be worth more, not because I think it has value to me or is fun to play with, um, which yeah. I think is a problem or will become a problem over time. Agreed. Agreed. Um, you know, the theme of this episode, I want to say is almost like competing forces. And I, I think this next story, two stories, we'll call that fall into this sort of competing forces. And, and so the first headline here is this is two pieces of Chinese news. Uh, on the metaverse front. And, and the, the headline here is Tencent-backed mobile game maker to invest $200 million in NFTs. So this is Voodoo. 
they're they're owned or backed by Tencent. They're going to invest more than $200 million to start a blockchain division uh, that will obviously offer NFTs. Uh, they're going to compete with uh, Sorar, which is a French-based NFT fantasy sports platform. Uh, they're going to be competing with Ubisoft, obviously, they mentioned in this article. They're known for their mobile titles, Helix Jump and Paper.io. And they're going to integrate a system that rewards players with digital assets as they improve within a game. So, you know, nothing terribly differentiated here. Uh, the company has a $1.9 billion valuation uh, and Tencent owns a minor minority stake. So, so th sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was going to say, but I guess this is going to take us a little bit away from the topic. So I'll just go on this tangent and then we'll come back. But to me, like a company like Voodoo, which their games are hyper casual games, right? They are flash games. You down, you basically don't even download them and you play, you know, it's like bubble pop. You play it for like seven minutes and then you delete it essentially. Like yeah. I think the, the day two retention is like less than 1% or something like that on these hyper casual games. To yep. me there, you couldn't think of a worse type of company to do nfts it's like if i play a game why? for seven minutes why do i want to own an nft of anything in the game it's literally <laughs> something you do on the subway for seven minutes and then you forget about it the rest of your life like you're going to own an nft <laughs> it's just like nft the, the nfts make sense in something where it's like a absolute passion or a hobby or something where it's like an almost an obsession like wow you know like people play wow for 15 years i could see you wanting to invest in an asset or invest and own something that's like a digital collectible. It's like, I've played WoW for 15 years. They just came out with this cool skin. I want to own it. I want to look at it every day or every week or whatever. It's my passion. Yep. A game you play for seven minutes on the subway, like, <laughs> like Bubble Pop or Brick Breaker, like what NFT are you going to, what does that do for this company? It's just, I think it's downright in, idiotic. But I know that okay, wasn't the point I, of the art. That wasn't the point. No, of the it's art. good. Hold on. I want to. Can I make the counter argument? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how good of a counter argument it is. But if you only play a game for seven minutes, right? What is your biggest challenge as a game developer, as the owner of the game? Retention. Getting or, people to play money, longer. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> does does earn, earning the NFT, money out of them, yeah. Like, the does minutes. adding the NFT in the mix mean instead of playing seven minutes, they play fifteen minutes? I doubt it. That, that's a, <laughs> no, Maybe, but yeah, the, I see your point, but no would be my answer. <laughs> it makes them play um, no minutes because they're like, oh my God, I have to download like an NFT wallet now to play this game. Like, no, oops, here my stops up. Like I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. Anyway, um, so your question was about China, right? Or you want to keep yeah, going? So, China, so there's this article where Tencent's, uh, this Tencent backed company is going to invest $200 million to start a blockchain division. Uh, and then on the, the other hand, you have... Again, keep in mind, Voodoo is Tencent backed, so which is Tencent being a Chinese company. And then you have this story out of the South China Morning Post where the headline is, uh, and let me put this up here, Chinese state television warns against blockchain-based play-to-earn games as popularity surges. The CCTV reports said that pay-to-play blockchain games should be treated with caution and that many are a scam. They actually use the word scam. Play-to-earn games have become one of the hottest tech trends this year with developers seeing their valuations mushroom. So this is, you know, state-owned TV, right? So this is the, the government speaking, basically. But China Central Television basically firing warning shots at play-to-earn games, at blockchain-based games. And given what everything else that's happening 
in China and their crackdown on gaming in general, not just blockchain based gaming, but gaming in general, you know, are we seeing again, competing forces, right? Where Tencent, they're a minority shareholder, but they still have some say, I'm sure, right? Tencent's a huge backer of voodoo and things like that. Um, where, you know, on one hand you have Tencent backed companies getting into NFTs and blockchain based gaming in a big way. And on the other hand, you have China going, Hey, maybe this feels like there might be a crackdown. I'm curious how you think blockchain-based gaming plays out in China over the next few months even, right? Forget about longer term than that. Uh, there's a lot of different directions to go in that. I mean, one, I would say, I guess Tencent and the Chinese government clearly don't always see eye to eye. In fact, it's it seems Good increasingly point. they're kind of at loggerheads. So maybe it shouldn't be that. So maybe it's because, maybe it's just a cause and effect thing. Literally, maybe, <laughs> maybe because yeah. Tencent's investing in this now, the government is sort of putting out this warning. Um, I, I did, you know, also I was going to make the joke. Uh, it's sort of like a, even a broken clock is right twice a day uh, where, you know, Chinese government has done all these warnings. They're, they're banning kids from playing games. They're too violent. You know, they're, they're sort of 20 years behind kind of where we are in the zeitgeist here in the U S they're still talking about like, Oh, kids shouldn't play games. They're so bad. Uh, yeah. But in this case, they may actually be right in the sense of there are there are a lot of scams, I think, going on in blockchain gaming. And there there should people should generally be cautious about this space because, you know, it's it's a, a nascent industry and there are some some opportunists, I guess we'll say that way. Um, it, China also has always been against Bitcoin to some extent or blockchain to some extent. I think as an autocratic state, I mean, the very nature of something being decentralized is is obviously a risk to them. The interesting thing is it almost to some extent makes uh, Chinese gamers maybe more interested in blockchain gaming if if it yeah. is possible for them to get around sort of the the state um, state run enterprises. I don't know how, you know, with the, the Internet there and the great firewall, like I don't know if you are able to access some of these games. Um, it might be harder for them for China to block some of these things than it would be a non decentralized platform. I know that was a lot of word salad, but I think there were some interesting ideas. That it's a great there. point, right? In some ways, it may be the way to move assets like this outside of China, right? Like it's the it's the it, it, it's an interesting sort of workaround, and maybe all the more reason they want they will crack down on it harder than maybe gaming broadly, right? Like I think I think if what you're saying is ends up playing out and is true, um, this this becomes. Uh, potentially quite a severe crackdown there that I wouldn't be surprised we see. And that it's only going to take, you know, a couple of, of bad, you know, news around scams or people getting sort of cheated out of money. And I think they'll use that to run with it mm -hmm. uh, and, and use that as the reason why they have to sort of crack down on everything. But it's one of these things where I think we underestimated the influence of the Chinese government in the gaming space, right? More broadly. And and I'm not going to make the same mistake a second time, right? Like when you start hearing rumors like this and rumblings like this, that, that, that they're looking at it or that there are reports or like my, I go directly now to, okay, we're going to see a crackdown. We're going to see some kind of, you know, rules and limits. And I wouldn't want to be investing in, in those developers there, or, you know, I wouldn't want to be backing those, those companies there. I just wouldn't, it's just yeah. too risky when you start to hear things like this. Um, I'm sure it's something we're going to come back to because I'm sure we're going to get more news on this. Uh, but you know, the, the point you made Jeff about like the decentralized nature 
of blockchain being part of the attraction. Again, kind of a great segue into the last thing I wanted to touch on this week. And this, we said this was gonna, we just like, we literally called it last week. We said we were gonna see a lot more stories like this. And the headline here is Polygon teams up with Reddit co-founder for $200 million Web3 gaming fund. So this is Alexis Ohanian, who's the founder, co-founder of Reddit, teamed up with the team behind Polygon to raise $200 million to target the development of Web3 gaming and social media projects. Ohanian believes that as Web3 grows, gaming and social media present the biggest opportunities for growth. I think this, I'm tying this to the last story in the sense that what's interesting to me here is where Alexis Ohanian is coming from, right? Reddit, while a centralized platform, right, runs on Reddit servers and whatever else, and it is some ways a very democratic social media platform, right? People post stories, they get upvoted by the community, that's what shows up the highest, right? Like there's very little Reddit kind of intervention in the Reddit community. It's moderated by, you know, the individuals themselves. Um, is he not the perfect guy to be doing a, you know, blockchain-based gaming, Web3 gaming fund? Is this maybe more exciting than last week's $100 million fund uh, in your mind? Yeah, I mean it does it does certainly fit his his ethos. So I I do, you know, like where people when people kind of put their money where their mouth is. Um I think I made this joke last week, but it still applies. Every time I see one of these things, I'm like, "Oh my god, why are we not starting a blockchain game?" Like there is just <laughs> the amount of money that is currently in the system looking for or for investments in this space is it, it's just hard to believe. Like I people always equate it to the the beginning of kind of mobile and free to play. But I have to think we are years ahead of where, you know, we are currently like where we are today in terms of what's actually in the industry versus the amount of money chasing what the industry could become has to be imbalanced relative to where it was in mobile. Like I think when, as I understand, this was kind of, I was earlier in my career, I think I was in college still, but when free to play mobile was becoming popular, most people were pretty skeptical. Like, I think it was very much like, eh, this isn't going to work. Like social games, nobody cares. Yep. Whereas now people, people are jumping in with two feet. Like even people who are skeptics are still like, Hey, well, I don't know. I just raised 200 million to invest in it. You know, like it feels like nobody, nobody is skeptical, which is always a little bit of a scary place to be where everybody's bought in that something's the future. But it, it, just the amount of money here is, is staggering. And, and you're going to see, a ton of companies being built just because when you have this sheer amount of investment capital being driven into a space and, and the, the mind power and brain power that is, that is currently moving. And we are seeing it in real time. If you follow people on Twitter or, or, you know, listen, I mean, look, we just started this podcast a month ago. So there are plenty of people that are smart, that are look that are in games, in esports, in this business that are moving their focus and shifting their focus into this. Um, that it's going to happen. And there, there was a quote, I guess I'll maybe end on this. I mean, Krista Wolf, who again, coming back to that jam city article, which I re really like that article. He said, mobile was the last big platform change in computing. Blockchain will be bigger than that. And I think that, that to me, it's like, if there's a quote to summarize all this, it's like that sort of hits it on the head. I, I, I can't think of a better way to wrap up this week's podcast, Jeff. 
and I'm sure we're going to see more of these funds, uh, no question. So it's a it's a definitely a huge development. Love the the money flowing into the space. I agree. We probably go need to, do need to go create a game game development company making blockchain based games. Um, but uh, you know, for our listeners, guys. Thank you for tuning in this week. Uh, just a reminder to go subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoy it, hit the subscribe button on wherever you get it. So if it's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever. If you watch this on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, but if you enjoy the content, just leave a review or send some feedback. Let us know how you're enjoying it uh, or, or if you think we should be doing things different. We really want to make this for you guys and make it valuable to everyone who listens and spends this half hour with us. So thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, and uh, Jeff, thank you. And we'll see you all next week. Thank you, guys. Thanks for joining us here on Meta Business. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast everywhere you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star review and tell your friends, family, and colleagues all about us. Also, make sure to follow Meta TV on all socials to get more of the best Metaverse content anywhere. Tune in every week for another episode of Meta Business.